The Cantillon effect is when money is first introduced, it benefits the ultra wealthy much more than everybody else, whereas everybody else pays a disproportionate share of the inflation tax that rolls down when you create more money than goods at a faster pace and it bids up the prices of goods in a society. We also talked about the need in this Ponzi uh, system, debt-based fiat system, to create ever more amounts of currency and debt to keep it running. And eventually that collapses when it no longer has an effect and you get a net negative effect from issuing more. I think we're right on the precipice or the cusp or the edge, if you will, the ledge of that occurring where every dollar in debt produced actually leads to a decline in the economy. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Hey everybody, this is your host, Rob Keats with goldsilverpros.com. And for today's episode, I wanted to go back to the basics of how money works and why you may be interested in gold and silver, especially for those who have come to the channel for the first time or who are just learning about gold and silver and alternative investments other than your 401k, the stock market, real estate and bonds. Uh, welcome to the program for those of you, for those of you who've been around for a while, we'll be talking about an effect that you may be aware of, but didn't know the name. And that's called the Cantillon effect. It's named after a researcher. And I'm going to talk about how it's destroying the dollar and the treasuries and show you where you want to be outside the dollar and treasuries if you don't want to lose everything over time, or at least a large portion of your investments. So let's jump right into the share. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to see a nice little graphic from River.com, from River Financial. Uh, they do a lot of work around the financial sector. And this is the best chart I could find on the Cantian effect without doing one by myself on short notice. And you can see here what that effect is. As money is created in the system, it goes to the wealthy few, basically goes to a group of organizations that receive that money and then distribute it out into the economy. The money is not just printed and stuck right into your account. It's given to some uh, gatekeepers of yield or market makers, essentially, and they put it out. Maybe they're you know spending that on this, that or the other. So the ultra wealthy that get it first, get the value of that money. Once that money is actually outbidding on goods and supplies, it thereby in an environment where the supplies and goods aren't rising as much as the money creation, therefore creates a rise in prices. And so it's actually detrimental to people that get it second, which is everybody else, the entrepreneurial class and then everybody else gets less of an effect. So the ultra wealthy get the full power of newly created fiat currencies everyone else gets it decremented by how fast inflation then from that creation of those currencies works its way into bidding up the prices in the economy. And the farther down you go till the end user getting the dollar, the more inflation you absorb. So inflation doesn't hit everybody the same. Inflation doesn't hit the ultra wealthy the same for a couple of reasons. One, they're invested in inflation protected assets. Two, they have more assets. And three, they get the money first when they don't get hit by that inflation, they spend it, which then creates the inflation that everybody else gets hit by. Now, the ultra wealthy would then have to pay the inflation afterwards. But again, as inflation's rolling out, they're getting that inflation basically like a credit because they're getting the money before the inflation raises the prices. And you can see here on the Fred chart of M2, how much money exactly has been created over time. We just graphed it back out to like the 1980s. But you can see there's been an absolutely explosion in trillions. So we start off the chart at less than two trillion back in 1980, and now we're up to over 20 trillion in M2 money. That is a ton. And the benefit along the way went to the wealthy. Look back at the chart, the wealthy get it first, they spend it first. So all this inflation created by all this monetary creation being faster than the GDP growth, which we know it is, means that the difference between 
what we're spending, what we're actually producing, more money produced than goods that creates all that more money bids up the same, that price of goods up because there's more of it cause an increase in prices. The people that see that the most are the ones that can least afford it. The poorest, the ones that don't have the expensive investments and one that don't have access to the capital markets. The one just working jobs, just trying to get by that ladies and gentlemen is known as the Cantillon effect. And that was named after, as you can see here, uh, we'll see what it is according to Vestipedia. A Cantian effect is an uneven change in relative prices resulting from a change in money supply, which was first described by 18th century economist Richard Cantillon, who inspired political economists like Adam Smith and David Ricardo. Uh, creating an abundance of cheap money via banks does not automatically mean that demand for everything will rise simultaneously. This is a second fact of the Cantillon. Cantillon first benefits the ultra wealthy and then the entrepreneurial class by a little bit less and a little bit less as you go along. It benefits a few at the top the most, but also it raises the cost of goods differently depending on their individual demand profiles. If you're talking about staples like energy and food and shelter, those are going to get tend to bid up a lot. Now, the Cantian effect can lead to bubbles and people thinking that they're wealthy until those bubbles burst. And it's when they burst that they realize a lot of that wealth was not actually theirs. It belonged here but it was inflation artificially making them think that they had that wealth. But during the crash, all of that goes away. What happens is the currency crashes back down to it more closer to its intrinsic value and all that value, which was just inflated currency is now gone. And then people don't value the currency as much. And I'll show you what that looks like here in a moment with the U S debt clock it says here on the investor Peter article, creating an abundance of cheap money, Via banks does not automatically mean the demand for everything will rise simultaneously. Indeed, history shows that certain assets take favor over others, leading to a rise in some areas of the economy and falling prices in the others. That, so if you're following commodity cycles and financial market cycles, you'll notice this effect. You'll notice they ebb and flow. They ebb and flow depending upon the stage we're in in monetary creation and what the ultra wealthy and the banks that are getting it, what they're bidding up. They're creating the bubbles by getting the money first. So if you want to know who creates the bubbles in society, one, it's created by the fact that we're creating new currency and two, the asset classes it's being created in are determined by those who get it first. And then to a lesser extent, everybody else who gets the money later to where it gets down to the average Joe, the average Joe is only going to get a little bit of that benefit and they're going to spend mostly out in inflation. That's essentially what it is. If we go to the US debt analysis, this is on Exploring Finance, one of my friend's websites who's in FinTech who put this together. A lot of times we'll look at the gold section, but you know what's really cool? He has other sections. You just go to exploringfinance.shinyups.io or github.io, either way, or just look it up on Google. It's on the first page. You'll get the website. If you want to go gold, silver, go here, but I'm on debt to the penny since we're talking about debt today. And I wanted to show you this chart. And this kind of extends beyond the Cantillon effect to the overall effect of printing too much money and creating too much debt. Debt is money in the system until it isn't because that's the way the bankers trade it. So debt plus currency and circulation equals the amount of paper value created. And you have to compare that to the amount of actual goods in society, getting an idea of how bad that Cantillon effect is going to be. Well, another effect that happens when you're in that type of system where you have to, you basically, in order to get growth in the economy. Because remember, over time, only these people are benefiting the most, these people don't. What that does is it creates incredible economic disparity. At the same time, it means that the wealth of everybody else, the majority is not going up as much as the monetary supply. Why? Because the people getting it first are taking the bulk of the value. So everybody else gets less. That's why inflation hurts so much there. 
That's why the debt does too. And But you'll notice that as time goes on, to get that effect in the economy, to get that boost requires more debt creation. Here is the tech crisis. Here's how much debt we created then. Here is the financial crisis, how much debt we created then. Here was the pandemic. That's how much debt we created then. Even something as small as a pandemic. Now, the pandemic did shut everything down for a while, but it wasn't like 2009 when we had a bank, major banking crisis. It wasn't that type of effect on the economy. It did affect the economy, but wasn't quite that bad. Most people agree it was a stop for a few months, and then we kind of started to kind of work our way back into, into full mode. But we had to create this much debt, then just keep the economy running to keep it from crashing. This it goes beyond the Cantillon effect and talks about what the Cantillon effect does over time. The Cantillon effect, when, when the elites, the banks, and the ultra-wealthy get the money first and they spend it without having to pay that inflation tax, creates the inflation further downstream for everybody else. And it's that inflation which causes the government to have to print more and more to get the same effect. Because when you print too much of, a, of one thing, it goes down in value. That way to get the economy to respond the next time, the debt and the dollar are down in value, higher bond rates now, lower value of the dollar, you have to create more. And so the Cantian effect eventually leads to this big blowout of all the debt that you have to create just to keep the system afloat, not growing. Who thought since COVID, your budget and your purchasing power grew? I'm pretty sure no one in the world other than a few individuals who benefit from it, but the vast majority, over 90% are going to say, oh, hell no. And if you look at the younger classes, the ones just getting into their earning power age, the millennials and then the Gen Zers are eventually getting there, they're getting even less effect because all of this money went to previous generations. Why? Because we've been doing this for so long, it's been building up over time. So these generations benefited now you've got the massive money printing at a time when the younger generations can least afford it and they're going to get the least benefit from the Kantian effect. They're going to get all the crap from it. That's not good and that's not what we want to happen. And again, here's a monetary chart. You see they've already started to restrict. At some point, they're going to restrict the debt and that's going to cause a crash. And then you're going to have even less value going to the people that need it the most. One thing I wanted to show you is U.S. Debt Clock. Now, this is a very busy chart, usdebtclock.org. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to look at. I really wanted to look at money creation here and debt. So this is the area we're looking at, this area right here and this area right here. So we can just stay around this little section. If you want to look at money creation, you can see that this number is steadily going up. U.S. money supply right now is over 20 trillion. Currency and credit derivatives is 652, is that 652 trillion? Thousands mean, but yeah, 652 trillion. When you look at currency and circulation and credit derivatives, almost a quadrillion or 65% of the way to a quadrillion. That is an unbelievable number. And if you want to know what gold and silver are going to be worth, take this number and divide it, the number of gold and silver ounces available on earth, and you'll have a good idea for what it potentially be worth. Now, do I think they're actually going to value the fiat currencies that way? No, there's more than one and everybody would have to get into the calculation, but that just gives you an idea of the ratio of currency units printed and debt printed. Uh, we'll go back here and go here versus, um, you know, gold, silver, any other asset in society, you can do your quick calculation for what you think it could be worth. And that's not really what it could be repriced to in practical terms, but it gives you an idea of what the blow off could be in those assets. And if you look at, well, get off of that. If you look at the debt, U.S. total debt interest paid is 14470 that's owed on the current debt if we stopped right now. But the average person only has in savings 9000 bucks, And actually, that's skewed for the wealthy. Why? Because this includes this. If you take out this group and go to savings, 
there was a study that came out a couple of years ago that was on all the major financial media that we don't have $400 per family for the regular middle and, and lower classes. So those two classes of people, which make up the bulk of people, the bulk of people that fit under that bell curve of population in the U.S., definitely not the top 1%, uh, don't have $9,000. These numbers are skewed by the top you know, 1%, but the average person, the average family doesn't have 400 to pay for an automotive bill. So they're really constrained in terms of what they have, but the debt just keeps going up. Eventually this is going to come home to roost and eventually we're going to have problems. One other section of this website I would point you to has to be these ratios. Now they're no longer pricing dollar to silver and gold because I think dollar and silver, I'm sorry, dollar has exploded so much to gold and silver. They don't do it anymore, but if you do it, it's a, you know, way over $10,000 now it's gold and silver is very high as well as 600 or, or something. Are those realistic targets? I don't know, but it just is a good ratio to compare currency creation to what has been natural money for 5,000 years in gold and in silver. The natural money is not being inflated as much as the dollars and the debt. And that tells you where we're going with the financial system, or you can just simply look at the charts. Here's a good debt over time chart. Here's a good currency over time chart. It tells you all you need to know. And if you understand the Cantillon effect, you know that most of that didn't go to you. It went to the elites. So who holds most of the assets in society, the elites? That's why the wealth disparity has gone between the top and the bottom. We had the biggest wealth disparity we've ever had in the history of the world going on right now because of a mixture of the Cantillon effect and the amount that we've had to print just to keep the system going, which you can see with the U.S. debt clock. Put those two together. It ain't looking good for currency and debt. It's looking better for gold, silver, maybe even for some of the alternative cryptocurrencies as well, which are going to catch some of that bid, I think, if you're a speculator. Uh, lastly, I wanted to talk about a show sponsor that is Kinesis. Kinesis is an asset backed digital currency in which you can store gold and silver. It's audited one to one and put on the blockchain and through the blockchain, you have the ability to send that gold and silver actually actually having to take the time to mail it. It's cheaper, much more efficient way to both store and spend your gold and silver. And I like Kinesis because they're making it possible for people to spend gold and silver. Gold and silver will never be money again unless we can spend them just putting it under your mattress or in a safe or in a vault somewhere by and in and of itself is not going to liberate gold and silver. It's actually going to sequester it and make sure it's not in the conversation as money. We want to circulate and that's what Kinesis has built. And they built it for a major country. They built it for Indonesia. Indonesia. This is a public centric private public partnership. It just means they're working with the government. I'm going to read a little bit about Indonesia uh, and Kinesis for those who aren't aware. Kinesis has formed strategic long-term public-private partnerships of multiple government and national in entities in Indonesia, commencing with a state-run postal service, PTPOS. The landmark nationwide integration of Kinesis payments and savings technology opens up a Sharia-compliant physical gold as a currency for the entire population of India. Why is that important? Because I don't like interest rates in Sharia law and other Sharia laws, which have prevented some of the other financial instruments from being introduced. And so they can do that this way and people can save in gold and silver and spend with gold and silver across the entire country and comply with those laws. Kinesis and uh, the pause pay gold application is set to offer all Indonesian citizens low cost access to gold savings and trading, as well as gold based utility payments and remittance provision. So they can spend it like money and they can spend it towards the government. Aha. Uh -huh. When's the last time you saw the government accepting gold and silver in payment? Well, through Kinesis in Indonesia, partnership. That's exactly what's going to happen. With the full backing, the Indonesian government gold payments and saving infrastructure Kinesis is providing the unbanked and underbanked communities of Indonesia with vital financial access. There are 24,000 service points people can access this on in Indonesia. By the way, Indonesia is a chain of islands. It's very big and tackling this problem has been extremely challenging, but they've done it. Kinesis and Indonesia are that much closer to fully 
uh, having this roll out. All the infrastructure I'm being told has been put into place. A lot of the laws have been written to facilitate this. There are final few steps that need to occur. So pay attention when this finally goes live. It's very, very close. And this is going to be monumental because nobody's ever done this before. Not using an asset-backed digital currency, trading with one-to-one -one back gold and silver in you by a government doing that. This is very, very big. Indonesia is a big country, a lot of people, and this is a big this is big news. 70,000 employees, third largest postal service globally. Uh, the people have poor financial access, exploitive remittance services, and non-inclusive financial services. 86.7% of the Indonesian population belongs to Islamic faith. A large percentage of citizens find themselves excluded from interest-bearing or debt-associated financial services for religious reasons. Kinesis helps to solve that problem. Not bad at all. Thank you to Kinesis for doing that. Just to sum up for you, we talked about the Cantillon effect. The Cantillon effect is when money is first introduced, it benefits the ultra wealthy much more than everybody else, whereas everybody else pays a disproportionate share of the inflation tax that rolls down when you create more money than goods at a faster pace and it bids up the prices of goods in a society. We also talked about the need in this Ponzi uh, system, debt-based fiat system, to create ever more amounts of currency and debt to keep it running. And eventually that collapses when it no longer has an effect and you get a net negative effect from issuing more. I think we're right on the precipice or the cusp or the edge, if you will, the ledge of that occurring where every dollar in debt produced actually leads to a decline in the economy. And I think when that happens, not only are we going to an official recession, even though we're, I think we're in a recession already, when you count the effects of inflation, uh, but now we go into a recession, we'll go into deep and long lasting one because of the amount of crap that we have to clean out. The system is unreal. In my opinion, you want to be in gold and silver when that happens. Now, I'm not your financial advisor. We don't offer financial advice. Please consult your financial advisor, lawyer, accountant, whoever else, or just make your own decisions to do your own research. But I do believe that gold and silver are going to benefit from that, from all the data that I have provided you for today. And that's why we do this for research and educational purposes. So you can make the best decisions for you and your family. And I believe we provide you the information and the resources to do it. Stay tuned for more Friday. We're going to have the weekly market wrap up. We got so much content. We're going to knock your socks off. I promise. Stay tuned to this channel as we continue to go over the major factors in the gold and silver market, what's driving it. And don't worry, the last couple of videos I've talked to you about, talk about why gold should stay really strong this summer, even though summer's typically slow months for gold. Pay attention to it. I think it's going to do better than average this summer. Of course, we're already starting to get into it. We'll see what happens over the next three months. Until next time, this is Rob Keats for GoldSilverPros.com. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.